0: Hi, I'm Jarrett Murphy from City Limits. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette, and we're joined here today by Eric Cook, uh, who for most of the last four-year term in city government was the Communications Director for City Council Speaker Melissa Mark-Feverito. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Um, So tell us and listeners a little bit more, you know, we know you did that for three-plus years, Mm -hmm. but... um, Who are you? Uh, What else have you done? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so for um, the better part of
1: Melissa's term, I was her communications director. Um, I was a consultant on her uh, on her speaker's race for about the final uh, tumultuous four or five weeks. Um, Before that, spent uh, some time in the private sector uh, working on you know crisis communications, political campaigns um in government here in the city this was my second stint in the council I had I was communications director for uh, city councilman Eric Joya when he was running uh, around the time he was running for public advocate um, 2008 2009 um, I was uh, I was in the communications office for um, the now uh, infamous congressman Anthony Weiner in 2007 2008 and worked in in city government before that um, I've been in New York like 14 years
0: and New York's the best. From from Massachusetts, from right? Massachusetts, yeah, like yeah, A lot of our uh, high-powered yeah. uh, uh, pol- politicians, and now you- unlike some, though, I, I, my, <laughs> my father
1: was my father's from New York. He raised me as a, a Yankee fan. Uh, oh, sorry about that. <laughs> and and a Knicks fan, so double sorry about that.
0: <laughs> and you. Uh, and you're now, uh, you move from city government yeah. into a back, back to a consultant. Yeah, I'm, I
1: work with, um, I work at Precision Strategies. Uh, we have offices here in New York and in D.C. Um, and we do, you know, nonprofit advocacy work, campaigns, um, also some crisis stuff um, from, yeah, from here and uh, in Washington.
2: Very good. So talk to us about uh, Melissa Mark-Viverito as a, as a client. Um, what, what would she like to work with? What do you think her approach was to the press? And, you know, we're coming to the anniversary. of her speakership. I lot people looking back at what she's done.
1: So it, it's really funny you say that because I was just thinking about, uh, I was just looking for the other day to see when the four-year anniversary was of when um, Melissa declared she had the votes for speaker. I wasn't... I had worked on the mayor's race. I had I hadn't really followed the speaker's race, and I and I got a call uh, from someone who was working for her, like the day that she was about to declare that they had the votes, and was like, "Would you consider come, you know, consulting for us on this race?" And I, my first thought was like, "Wow, Melissa got the votes! Like that's un- that's unbelievable! Like wow!" Um, and then I was like, you know, yeah, sure. Like I'll you know I'll 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 you know I I had, I. Had, when I'd worked in the city council before, I had known I had known Melissa, but I knew who she was, um, and, and sort of tangentially sort of followed her, um, and so I had never, but I'd never really like met her or talked to her. So she declared she had the votes. And then the next day was, so she, she puts out this press release, it's got like 31, 32 names on it of people saying, like, I'm, I am with Melissa, which didn't effectively end the speakers race, but it, it, it laid down a marker, one, for our coalition, two, for the for the folks who weren't necessarily going to be with us at that time, that like, we've got the votes. Um, so it was a very quick uh, ramp-up. She declared she had the votes. At night, the next morning, I met her um, right before she went to City Hall, um, and she did, uh, I said, look, you're going to get swamped by reporters. You haven't been in front of reporters yet. Like, let me go with you to City Hall. And it was, it was Christine Quinn's last stated. And so, uh, I had emailed some reporters I had a time, like, hey, FYI, I'm handling some of Melissa's stuff. I didn't know at the time that it was going to be, um, this kind of, like, all-encompassing, all, uh, all encompassing like, final four weeks, so to speak. Um, but we walked into City Hall, and we just were just, like, swarmed immediately. And it was, uh, uh, you know, Jill Colvin, who's now covering the White House for the AP, Ozzy, New York One, um, and a bunch of other people. And we had just, like, impromptu gaggle. And that was the first time I'd ever really been with... Mel- I'd met Melissa maybe, like, ten minutes before this... And I said, we're going to go in, you're going to get stopped, we're going to answer a couple of questions, and then, you know, you can go about your, you know, go about your uh, your, your business. Um, and she stopped, she answered a, a bunch of questions, um, and then she just sort of, like, you know, moved on to the, the state. We went through everybody, and we, then she moved on into the stated. Um, and she handled it really, really well with, like, basically no, you know, there was no sort of, like, prep period, there was no... Um, there was no sort of get to know you time. It was just like, okay, here you guys are. Like you, this is you know, you're 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 working together on this, you know, on this final sort of leg of the of the race. And she did awesome. And I I was like, okay, like this is um, this is someone who is taking this seriously, and someone who is getting ready for prime time. I think. One of the things that's very interesting, there's very few jumps in politics that I can think of in the city, or or anywhere really, um, where you go from almost no press coverage as like a normal city council member where you're like very much hustling, you're getting in people's ear, you're giving tips, you know, you're maybe leaking some stuff here and there to try and get yourself in some stories. Um, going from that to having uh, basically a ubiquitous... Uh, press presence, right? Like Melissa will get, you know, anywhere between 10 to 15 reporters covering her 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 press conferences when, you know, real stuff's happening. Um if we call a gaggle, if we call something if there's news breaking that like people care about, like people will come. That and is a big. That is And a and, and so it's yeah. a huge jump. And so and so the speaker's race is very much a a, a trial run in like how are you going to handle uh five or six reporters from, from New York City Hall. And as we've seen, right, New York City Hall is like a jumping off point to covering like the most powerful people in the world. It's like no joke who covers City Hall. Like, these are like serious reporters who have real questions, who are like fighting and clawing over each other to like break news. And so y- you go from basically not being covered to being covered, you know, in an instant um, and she handled it very, very well. And that was, in, in, in especially that first sort of gaggle that we did together, I was like, okay, this is someone who like, not only can we like, work with, but like, this is someone who is going to um, move into that role of like, having coverage, of, of having people stop her, and isn't going gonna, isn't gonna to get rattled, isn't going like, to run away, isn't going to like, get scared, can go up, face questions, and, like, and move on.
2: One thing I'm curious about, given that you're inside of that process, and it's come up a lot this year because of the the current speaker's race, is the role of the mayor in deciding, in in helping her to become speaker. Um, Question about sort of how necessary or sufficient that was, and what impact the impression of his role had on her going forward, and how people perceived her relationship with the mayor.
1: It's funny, because at the time, you know the mayor, it, 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 it's, it's, it would be, um, you can't say the mayor had no role. Um, but what happens is when the mayor gets involved in anything, whether it's the speaker's race or legislation or like just anything that he wants to do or he or she eventually wants to do, um, it's, it's always going to play like an outsized role in, in, in people's minds, right? Cause you're the mayor of New York city. It's like, you're one of the, you know, one of the most powerful people in the country. Um, But Melissa did a ton of work uh, to get to the point where any extra help would, you know, push her over. Um, Melissa had a core of people who were with her. And there were people who, you know, of members who were with her, you know, progressives, some other, you know, some other people that she had relationships with. Um, And so the mayor's involvement, you know, help tip the scales, yes, but I, I not, I don't, I, what I resented at the time, and, and, you know, I still do to a degree, is when people say, well, the mayor made her. It's not true. Um, she put an incredible amount of work into that race. Um, from, 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 from dawn until, you know, the sun had long gone down, and she had already been in, like, three or four boroughs, doing meetings, calls, events. Um, attending people's holiday parties, um, you know, it, it, but then I will say this that the mayor's involvement and the thought that um, she'd be some you know puppet or she'd be controlled by you know I remember people tweeting at the time that she won that she'd be controlled by uh, this union or that union or like the working families party or like all these other people like that actually ended up might have ended up helping us because I think people, People vastly underestimated her when she got into City Hall. They thought she would just sort of be a pawn of, you know, the sort of different interests that, you know, had backed her in this race, with, like I said, whether it's unions or who, or whomever. Um, and it wasn't the case. So, But, you know, what's the famous George W. Bush quote? Like, people misunderestimated him. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, I don't even know if that's a real quote, but, yeah, you know, but tr- tr- right. attributed yeah. to him. Um, you know, people misunderestimated Melissa. They 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 didn't think what they were going to be getting was um, someone who was actually going to be independent, who had her own agenda that was going to be independent of the mayors. Yes, there's going to be lots of alignment because they're progressive Democrats. Like you know, it's it's the nature of the sort of political system we have. Um, but I always had a feeling that like you know that when they disagreed, like she was never going to just you know, retreat into a shell and be like, well, I disagree, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, She, she believes in what she believes in, and she was never, you know, I, in in working for her in the sort of ramp up to that vote, I never got the impression that she was going to be anybody's, anybody's pawn, anybody's, um,
0: you know, anybody's patsy, that she was always going to be her own person. The, um... The coalition that you just talked about, you know, of the of some of the most powerful unions and the progressive caucus, um, I mean, I don't know that we want to get too much into this speaker's race quite yet in this in this conversation, but we can. You know, that coalition was came together, was really strong, backed her to become the speaker, um, and then now is kind of not not there. Do you have a sense of what? happens. I mean,
1: politics is cyclical.
0: Yeah. Right? Like, you know, we, we, we
1: we've talked uh, we spent the greater part of the last, you know, two or three years talking about the Obama coalition, right? Um, and then people, you know, said you have no Obama coalition without Obama, and then all of a sudden Doug Jones wins in Alabama, like you know, not totally with the Obama coalition, but sort of following a very similar um a, a similar model, like politics, is cyclical. Mm-hmm. So, like you know, maybe you know that coalition of uh, of sort of progressives and some new members. Um, you know, it it held together legislatively, um, and it held together from a sort of government perspective. Um, but you know, in politics, you know, like I said, it's cyclical different interests pop up over different times for different people right so like if you know being with Melissa in 2013 um helped some people uh you know whether it's you know chairmanships or or you know sort of position within the council or whatever um but it's a different time we have a second term mayor now um you know whether or not you want to call you know Termed politicians, lame ducks, or or maybe they're just free to do what they (laughs) do do what they want. Like Melissa was to a large degree as as a uh, quote lame duck speaker. The minute she got in, Um, you know, it's still there. I mean, we don't really know this speaker's race. Much less so than the last one is is very much shrouded in, in absolute sort of secrecy. Not to say that they're not people aren't going out and doing interviews and being sort of like having like a public facing. Um, you know public facing campaigns I see lots of public campaigning and I think it's sure. and I think it's a good thing um, but you know where votes are and, and who's with who you know Melissa declared she had the votes December 18th of, of 20 so that's you know that will be as we're recording this that will be on Monday um, I don't think on Monday we're gonna wake up and see and someone see, de- someone. see yeah. someone declare they have you know they have the votes. I think there's a lot of interesting competing issues, um, and, and whether it's, you know, county and machine politics, um, or uh, I saw the, the BLAC came out and said they want a, a speaker of color, um, the NAACP is running a campaign right now, um, and so as you sort of, as the field starts to winnow, um, you know, we'll have a better sense of that, but you know, the. the the sort of roundabout way to gain back to that answer is we don't know where that coalition is because like we don't know we don't where know anyone going we don't know yeah. what's going on.
2: You mentioned the alignment with the mayor and there's obviously a lot of focus on her relationship with the other side of city hall but I'm curious for some insight on how her relationship with the rest of the council because one of the early things she did was to change some of the internal operations, mm-hmm. you know, empowering committee mm-hmm. chair people and more bill drafting staff and stuff. Um and the power dynamics in the council has always been talked about. That if you know if the speaker gave more power to the members, it'd be harder for the council to get things done. She has gotten a lot done, um, but there also has been like a notable sort of lack of acrimony. There's no Tony Avella or Charles Barron voting against everything and railing against things. So does that mean that her reforms sort of weren't that meaningful because there there aren't those sort of independent <laughs> pockets of power, yeah. or does that just mean that everyone said we're free to be on the same team, and darn it, we're going to be on the same team. I mean, I think.
1: Well, Tony is Tony. <laughs> there's only one Tony Avella in New York. Um, just like there's only one, you know, one one Charles Barron. Um, but I think I think the reforms, the reforms did a lot um, And in empowering members to, especially on some of the land use stuff, especially on, um, you know bill drafting and committee hearings and stuff like that, that, that means something. Um, you know, it, it, it sort of professionalizes the operation. Um, I think about a lot of the budget stuff. Um, you know, the budget was very much traditionally used as, as a sort of, you know, sort of Damocles hanging over your neck if you went out of line by sort of democratizing that process. Like, yeah, it took a, it took a, an arrow out of the quiver of the speaker to, to maybe, you know, quote-unquote, keep people in line. But I think at the end of the day, what rules reform really did was it maintained the power of the speaker because I think without a centralized person controlling, not controlling, but sort of running the show, you end up with, you know, 50 pockets of power running off in different directions with no sort of coherent vision with nobody um, able to sort of steer the ship I think that in you know in legislative bodies you need to have someone there who can just help make sure that things are you know things are running and if you have you know too much of not independence but too much of a sort of ruckus being made then like that's when government becomes a little bit of a a little bit of a circus um,
0: and 51 I mean 51 people is not a small number uh, yeah uh, 51 elected officials and, with an agenda and we also
1: have to remember that it, yes that's 51 members 40 uh, 49 Democrats 48, 48, 48 Democrats 48, yeah, yeah. Um,
0: depends so, how you classify Eric Ulrich yeah
1: um, uh, <laughs> Melissa supporter
0: um, <laughs> after a call from the mayor and <laughs> <laughs> um, uh,
1: but yeah, so, so, but those are, but, you know, those are also different shades of Democrat. There's, there's, you know, different, you know, different folks are, you know, the, the city council gets painted with a pretty broad stroke of like, you know, all these Democrats, they're all, you know, quote unquote, progressive Democrats. And it's just not true. There's, but there's also some members who are progressive on some things and not another, or maybe they're, you know, their neighborhood has a very specific concern that doesn't necessarily sort of align with like, quote-unquote, you know, progressive policies. So you'll have people that vote against something because, you know, my neighborhood, you know, doesn't believe in X, Y, and Z. But, like, I'm with you 85% of the time otherwise, or probably more than 85% of the time otherwise. But, like, y- y- you know what I mean? So, you know, it, it is it is very much like a balancing act that the speaker has to, has to have. Um, and I think... Um, it it's 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 a really it's a really funny dynamic and, and, and keeping everyone you know, it, it is, you know, sort of the when I think back to sort of the pre-stated press conferences where we'd see, you know, our press staff running around trying to like get people and make sure that like they showed up on time and blah blah blah. And it was um,
0: it's a very it's a very interesting body. The so so on that theme, I mean there as you said is sort of one arrow in the quiver is the is the member item type stuff. Um, But there's still plenty of power that Mm -hmm. the Speaker has. And, you know, some of it we've seen in terms of what legislation winds up getting moved because the Speaker's office with some of the members are negotiating with Mm -hmm. the administration. And, you know, it's been, from what I can tell and what people have said, you know, there's often been a very interesting balancing act uh, in terms of bringing commissioners and agencies and the mayor, especially the NYPD in different cases, along with stuff and negotiating versus having a very adversarial approach to it. Speaker Mark Vavrito, in most instances, has clearly sort of gone with the let's negotiate, we're not going to throw a lot of bombs, Um, you know, we're on the same track here because we align a lot, you know, she and the mayor and a lot of the council members. Um, but was, what, did you get a sense that there was frustration among the members that too often, um, you know, she was allowing the administration to slow things down? I don't think, I don't, I I don't, I think that there, in any,
1: any legislative process, there's going to be, there's always going to be negotiation, one. Two, um, there's always going to be a time when, uh, You need to sit and think. And so if this sort of, if, you know, this U.S. Senate's sort of called, like, you know, the saucer because it it cools the the house. Mm -hmm. um, You know, the speaker is a lot of ways that sort of saucer where um, she has to think about, or he, if we have a a male speaker, um, uh, has to think about sort of the bigger picture um, has to see sort of over the horizon and has to be able to take into account things that maybe a uh, a member doesn't necessarily have to take into account, um, and so I think you know you y- you mentioned sort of like the slowing down of the process. I think you know there's certain times when like there's like real there's 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 absolute urgency. I think I think to like um, you know the Legionnaires' disease legislation the 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 sort of emergency. Um, inspections and, and, and the way they sort of, we, we, we dealt with that with the state, like we moved that along very fast. We moved along ICE detainers in 2014 fairly quickly. I think that was like basically a month because we, you know, because we sort of got, you know, information that like ICE was like moving stuff and like we needed to like, we needed to act and we needed to act quickly. Um, and then there's other instances where stuff has gone slower and I think, you know, look, you know, there's always going to be you know members or advocates or lobbyists or whoever who wants to you know move something yesterday because like it's the it's their biggest thing that they have on their plate or you know they they it's the thing that they care about most um, but the speaker's responsibility is to make sure that the legislation you know is to is to examine the legislation make sure it doesn't not just have make sure it has, it has the impact that it's designed to have while also not having sort of like adverse um Adverse effects, and I think you know, especially when we're dealing with very, very complicated issues, like um, you know, like police reform, like criminal justice reform, like immigration, um, things like that, that have lots of moving parts, have lots of lots of interests, and I don't use interests in the negative, but you know, people who are very, very vested in you know in these in these types of issues, um, you know, they they might want things to move faster, but. The goal, the end goal, is to not have a sort of circus. The end goal is to have something that that works and is um, as applied going to have the function that like people want it to have. And if it means slowing a process down, and you know doing some more negotiation or taking some time to really think something through or to think of different you know ways we can when we can approach stuff, I think that's a responsible way to govern. Because when otherwise. The counter to that, right, is what we see in Washington right now, where we're just going gangbusters on a, on a, um, on a tax bill that everyone agrees is going to be voted on on Tuesday, where nobody knows what the hell is in it. Um, So you know, it's not a perfectly analogous uh, situation, but like that's the sort of opposite side of that is where you just go and whatever happens happens.
0: Let me ask you one more thing about this, um, this notion of. The power of the speaker and keeping members in check and bringing members along, Um, there's a lot of buzz around City Hall that basically Ramon Martinez is like the, you know, the guy who gets a lot of that done, right? An enforcer of sorts, a cudgel of sorts, you know, someone who makes a lot of that happen. Can you describe his role?
1: Ramon's going to be mad I'll say this, but I'm just going to say it anyway. I, I love Ramon. I would start every morning in my three years at City Hall walking into Ramon's office. Um, We'd usually be some of the first people in City Hall. Um, And uh, what's going on? You know, who have you talked to? You know, just, we just kind of like sit there and like chat for like 20, 30 minutes, just before everybody gets there, before all the sort of craziness, you know, begins. And Ramon, again, he's going to be sad, he might never hear this, but like, um, we'll make sure he. Does. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure someone. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure someone will, will make sure he does. Uh, I'll, I'm counting on you, uh, Robin, to make sure that he hears this. But I, I think Ramon is. Ramon Ramon is someone who. Um, not only does he understand city government, not only does he understand politics, he understands people. He understands um, how you know what people care about. Um, he understands how to count votes. um He's he's very much um, a believer in in the council as an institution. Um, he's uh, he, he, Ramon is just great, and I I, I I I I'm trying to find a way to answer your question. You know, without, he, without without well, without well. without continuing <laughs> to praise him, but like you know, I think I think you know the, the notion that like he's like this enforcer or this or that. I mean, some of that is like uh, is 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 obviously you know is played up because, um, you know, you sort of build this, like, you know, the, the, the fable of, of, of Ramon. But, um, no, he, he definitely has uh, a lot of um, power and sway within the council. Melissa trusts him, but also members trust him. Um, you know, that, and that's the biggest thing for someone in that role or someone in sort of senior leadership in government in that role. If you're the chief of staff to the speaker of the city council, and, you know, you give your word to someone that, like, you're, you know, that, that, you know, that the hearing is happening on this date or that, you know, or that this is in the bill or that, you know, or whatever, um, you know, that that, that means something for, for, for people. And so, you know, Ramon is someone who uh, members trust, who, if he says something, you know, that's his word is his bond. Um, and that's... You know, as we talk about rules reform and we talk about, you know, we talked a little about some of the the arrows and the quiver, um, the the fewer arrows you have, the more government is going to be based on, right, on having a relationship, having an honest relationship, not, you know, BSing people and stringing them along. If you're saying you're doing something or you say, you know... Your bill. Look, you know, we like the bill ninety five percent. We think that this five percent is like a little questionable. Like, let's sit down with you know, with with the agency or with the or whoever it's on, and see if we can like bridge that gap. You know, people trust him to be that honest broker. They also trust him to be um, someone who will fight for them. It's not. It's not to say that you know you're going to go in and all of a sudden it's going to be you know, the Speaker, the Administration, and then the Council Member on one side of the table, like, Ramon is very much like an honest broker. And he's, you know, he, he's, he's a finisher. He gets things done.
2: So, to shift to this year's Speaker Race, you know, one thing I've, as a person who's entirely naive, I'm curious about is you have a process that supposedly is going to be decided at the end of the day by county organizations. But you have this tremendous number of forums and groups having... Debates and the, the council candidates or the speaker candidates are going to all these things, and it makes you wonder, like, how does that sort of public process connect to where the sausage actually gets so, made? So, how does how does it work? You've seen it from the inside. So,
1: I think I think the forums serve two purposes. I mentioned earlier about the jump between uh, regular member and speaker. So, the forums and the public process help sort of educate. You know the, the people that are going through this this process. You know, for the first time, um, a lot of these members will get critical coverage. For the first time, a lot of these members will get um, you know negative stories placed about them. Um, and the negative stories, I don't think matter that much, right? You know, they. they I don't think that you know members don't really care if. Um, i mean, obviously that's. Let me walk that back. Some some <laughs> negative stories would obviously have a big impact. Sort of one-off stories that are one-day things, you know, where, you know, you got, you know. Someone got a rent tax break. Yes, someone got a rent tax break or like, you know, there's there's been stories about all the candidates. I don't think there's any one that's gotten out there. Um, Mostly just
0: the front runners, but
1: yeah. (laughs) But there's no one story that's gotten out there that um, you're like, oh my God, I definitely cannot vote for that person. But what it does is it it teaches people to, um, you know, like I said, to deal with the media too. It's how you react to it to your, other, to, the, to your colleagues, right? You know, the biggest thing about a speaker is that you have to stand up there. At the end of the day, and we, we've talked about this, at the end of the day, you're the one behind the podium who has to answer to questions about um, whether it's other council members or, you know, something in city government that's 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 gone awry or something happened at the council or, you know, whatever. There's been dozens of times where you have to sort of stand up there um, and kind of be a shield for your members. So how do you, you know, react to negative stories? How do you react in a, in a forum if someone's getting in your face and, you know, screaming at you because you're... Uh, fake progressive or you're not a reformer or you didn't support this one bill that this group really really wanted? Um, are you gonna sort of like wilt and like you know uh, you know say oh well actually no I agree with you are you gonna lie are you gonna you know are you gonna and, and you know no one's no one's done this but like this is what sort of people are looking for so you know it's it's how do you react in sort of like a leadership position? how do you respond to the press? how do you, um, think on your feet, and also how you represent yourself, right? If you, are, you, are you making a, a clown of yourself at these forums? Are you embarrassing yourself? Are you showing up unprepared? These are things that, like, your colleagues are watching. Um, and that's feedback that will get back to people, right, who are, um, you know, helping make these and guide these decisions. If Melissa had gone to the, the forums in 2013 and just airballed them completely, you know, completely embarrassed herself, showed up unprepared, you know, brushed off the press, and, you know, you know, showed up with, like, a first-grade knowledge of New York City government. Like, the speaker's race would have gone different, but no, she showed up, she was prepared, she was good in interviews, she was, you know, accessible, she showed a vision, she showed that when negative stories got dropped against her, that she wasn't going to just run scared... Um, you know, I think one of the biggest things that happened for us at the tail end of that race was, you know, we had a lot of negative stories dropped on us and, you know, Melissa not once, you know, she didn't lash out. She didn't, you know, she didn't, uh, she didn't handle it badly. So I think people saw her up there, you know, taking these sort of slings and arrows and were like, okay, that's someone who's going to be steady, who isn't going to be overreactive who's going to be able to sort of take the heat. And that sort of builds up, you know, that builds up your credibility amongst your colleagues. They don't want, you know, you, you, don't, you don't want someone
0: who's going to, you know, who's going to wilt under those lights. So we're in our last couple of minutes here with Eric Cook, uh, former Director of Communications for City Council Speaker, Melissa Mark-Viverito. Um, it, it would it would be a pretty different city if Dan Gorodnik had been the speaker. It was down to, to those two Um, and, and in some respects, I mean, they obviously he's voted for most of the stuff that's gone through and they're aligned in a lot of ways, but, you know, you know, that would be a interesting historical fiction to, to (laughs) read or write for maybe 20 of us. But, um, (laughs) but, but, um, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about, um, is, you know, I wonder if there was any pushback or what the conversation was like around, uh, Melissa Mark Viverito, she, she seemed to really be pushing her agenda forward, right? And you get that right as council speaker, you yeah. have to have buy-in, but you know, obviously the criminal justice reform stuff is very much council-wide supported, but some of the immigration reform stuff seemed to be much more driven by her than the broad majority of members, even though she got support. Um, and then you know, there, there's other things that she's put at the forefront. Was that hard? Was that a hard? Uh, well, I
1: will. I will say this: that at the start of the criminal justice stuff, um, there was support, but I think some people at first were like, "Whoa!" Uh, not to that
0: extent, right? <laughs>
1: like, we're we're reducing, you know, penalties for like all this stuff, um, and so just just because the end, re- it's, it's funny because like. I remember, you know, and the, as the vote was happening on the criminal justice stuff, I expected probably, like, mid to high 30s on a lot of the bills. I thought they would, you know, and then, like, as you start, as, as you know, there was more education that happened of the members, I, th- I think, you know, that's how we ended up in, like, the 40s on some of the, on some of those, you know, criminal justice reform bills. Um, it, 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 it just because the end result is, like, a 40 to 10 vote or whatever... Um, doesn't mean that that's sort of where we where we started. I think, um, you know, especially as we, we've talked about this a little bit, but um, in the first few weeks after, you know, Melissa announced a lot of the reforms in the state of the city in, in February of 2015, you know, we sort of go dormant for a little bit where, we'll, where we're talking about sort of broadly what we're looking to do, and then I think it was the Daily News breaks the... Um, the, uh, Drink Pee and Be Merry, uh, cover, which I, I still have somewhere. I have that, and I have, um, I have the, uh, Hex in the City, uh, Melissa with the, you know, the Witch of El Barrio, uh, cover somewhere,
0: um, but, you know. I remember getting asked about that on, like, a radio show and laughing it off, but anyway. That lawsuit was junked, um, uh, but then we
1: co-opted it, and it was a whole amazing (laughs) thing, uh, but, um, but yeah, then the, the the Daily News drops the story sort of like, you know, I don't know how it, I don't really know how it got out, but like um, about, you know, sort of in even more defined strokes, like what we were looking to do, right? You know, not quite decriminalizing, but like getting pretty close to it on a whole slew of things that leads to this like whole, you know, two or three week um, press bonanza where Uh, you know, every couple days there was a story about, um, you know, cops stopping someone and pulling a gun off of them, and he was, uh, you know, drinking on a sidewalk or whatever. Um, And so, like, you know, a lot of this stuff gets out. You know, we have about two weeks where we're, like, you know, a couple days where we're, like, drowning a little bit. We start, like, doing counter-programming, you know, pushing different stories, putting different things out there. Melissa had, like, an op-ed advice. We did a lot of, like... You know a lot of press like that around this, and then after and that's two- your job to coordinate. Yeah, it's my job to coordinate, and then after that, um, we go dark again, because after two weeks, I think you know the the the, PD sort of pulled back the lever on on some of those stories that were dropping, um, and then you know that's when we sort of started getting to work. The end result being you know it was a long time later. I think that was April and May of twenty fifteen. We then worked on those bills until. January Um, and then we had the hearing in January and then again you know we we worked on them again with Final Passage in like you know May I think Um, but these are like long processes and in those processes right like there's a lot of member education that goes on there where, like you're bringing in different members, and you're explaining like these are the these are the seven bills. This is what they do. This is what they don't do. They're not going to make it legal to do X, Y, and Z. What they're going to do is they're going to be sending it to you know this this other court. It's civil. Yada yada yada. Um, so just because the end result, like I said, is 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 a bill that has you know forty people, um, it's it's not uh, it, it it it's it's a it's a it's a longer and more complicated process. Like to the to the immigration part. I will say this. I do remember a member who I won't name um, saying something to the effect of, you know, Melissa cares more about um, undocumented people or, what you know, some, some, some sort of snide thing like that. Um, look, that's something that Melissa cares about. And Melissa has always said she represents everyone in her district. Everyone. She doesn't say I represent just the citizens, just, you know, these types of people. She represents everyone. And her district has a ton of undocumented folks. And I mean, I would you know we would melissa would take these walks in the morning it's one of these things that you know sort of like keeps her grounded um and you just you know walk through that neighborhood with her and you'll get people to come up to her and be like hey i don't have i don't have you know documents but like thank you what you're you're doing for us melissa will go to restaurants and um you know wait staff will come out and be like we saw you on Telemundo we saw you on Univision like Thank you for what you're doing. It's a, it, it, she. She tells an amazing story about at Yankee Stadium. Something similar to that happened, where like uh, a, a, a worker came out and was like, "You know, you do tremendous work for our community. Like, thank you." And um, it, it, those were always like very powerful sort of reminders of like who you're who you're fighting for. And um, she she just believes in fighting for, for everyone.
2: So talking about dynamics going forward, I want to hear your prediction. You know, one of the kind of salient facts about the relationship between the speaker and and this mayor is that it was unlikely they were ever going to be directly in electoral competition with one another. And one of the facts about Mark Favorito's control of the council is that most of her members weren't facing term limits and, you know, could probably return to their seats, and and most did. Um, That is different now. All the people running for speaker will be term limited. Um, Most of the membership will be as well potentially vying for a higher office. There's been a lot of speculation about how that will change the dynamics in the council going forward. What's your prediction for that?
1: I mean, I think, you know, what, what is it that President Obama said that once you become president, you don't you don't change your your you, you know, you don't change your stripes. You just, they just it just sort of amplifies it. So I think, you know, the people, you know, we have a sense of how different folks will be as as speaker just because I think you know they they're telling us I'm a big believer in politics right if someone's telling you how they're going to be you should listen right trump said he was going to be awful and <laughs> he's awful um so i think we'll i think we'll see a council that is a little bit more and i don't mean this in a negative but more um uh looking after themselves i think people will be looking to their futures um that's not to say that people aren't going to be doing um you know, good work, but I think people are going to be looking towards, you know, towards the horizon a little bit. Um, I think that we'll have a council that, um, it'll probably be a little bit more uh, maybe combative for the sake of being combative. Um, But I think at the end of the day, you know, if the end goal is to, you know, pass good stuff, to work together, you know, these folks are going to agree with the mayor more, far more often than, than not. Um, I think, you know, there's this, there's a little bit of a misnomer of, uh, the speaker is gonna, you know, be you know railing against the mayor every day. It's, that's, that's historically been an anomaly. Um, you know, by and large, speakers and mayors have gotten along. um, and they've gotten along for a variety of reasons, whether it's self interested, whether it's political, whether it's just to get stuff done. Um, it just it's it's not. It doesn't necessarily serve anyone's interest, the the council or the city, right? To just uh, have a totally adversarial relationship, um, because th- nothing gets done. Um, I mean, even you know, even Pelosi and Schumer passed stuff with Bush when Bush was president, and Pelosi and Schumer were were leader and speaker. Um, so it's not like, you know, and there's going to be times when folks disagree and they let, you know, let it be known. I think Melissa's done that. Um, but it's not going to be a situation where, um, you know, you're going to see a speaker out on the steps of City Hall every other day, just like ripping the mayor apart
0: for for whatever reason. Yeah, I think I think a lot of it, as you both alluded to, will be... Not even the speaker, but the other members who see each other as competition for borough president positions and comptroller and public advocate might be a little more yeah um, at each other's throats, so to speak. But well, one last thing we have to remember too is that the
1: mayor himself is not a passive voice in this conversation, and, and a term limited mayor. You know, we we haven't really. It's funny because we had we had one in Bloomberg for about two years, two thousand seven, two thousand. I thought you were going to say two terms. Yeah, 2007, 2008. <laughs> yeah. And we remember how, how Bloomberg was in those years, right? He was pushing congestion pricing. He was pushing plan YC, right? These were like huge, huge visions. And they, and they were quite controversial um, at the time. Congestion pricing sort of come around a little bit more. Um, but you see, right, like how much a mayor still as a quote-unquote lame duck has to like drive the conversation. And up until, you know, November 2008, Bloomberg was a lame duck. Um, but because he had you know big visions, big policies, was was pushing you know real large items, you know, people weren't really looking at him as a sort of lame duck. Then obviously term limits happens he gets sort of like another crack at the apple um, and then the same thing sort of applied again in in, in 12 and thirteen. you know the, the mayor still dominates the landscape and um, and I would I would look for this mayor who has you know, has had big big visions to to sort of swing for that right like the, a lot of people were, we we talked about this a little bit before but like um, you know Obama loses the loses the senate in uh, 2014 he lost the house in 2010 2015 and 2016 people are like well that's it he's done blah 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 but like 2015 2016 Obama was like some of the best Obama we had it was it was you know he 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 pushed all this in, all these incredible you know different things that the president has the power to do. Um, and he, he went out, you know, peaking. And, you know, if the mayor plays it correctly, if they've, and I'm sure they're thinking about this now, right? Like, what do the next four years look like? We don't want to plateau at the next two years. We want to make sure that we can sort of sprint through the finish line. So, you know, I'm looking at his upcoming state of the city as a, as a way to really, um, and his inauguration, as a way to set that tone To say, you know, some of these members, they might want to, like, take swipes at me here or there, but, like, this is my big vision for the city, get on board, this is how we're going to, like, this is how we're going to
0: finish this out. So, uh, we've got a little extra time because this is such a good conversation. There's things I haven't, we haven't even gotten to ask you about that we'll hold off on, um, but... Just on a closing note, um, you had to, you know, as, as a communications director, you're as much a sort of political strategist and advisor as, as you are hand, handling the press, you know, uh, strategy. Um, you know, those go hand in hand. You had to give Melissa Mark-Viverito a lot of advice about how to handle the Bill de Blasio-Andrew Cuomo situation. Give us just a tiny closing note on how you advise. Well, 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 you know, the thing with that is we have to do so much in Albany
1: um, because, you know, the way the Constitution structured or whatever. Um, you know, I thought that I thought that Melissa handled it very, very well. I think that, look, there's going to be times when she agrees with the mayor. There's going to be times when she agrees with the governor. There's going to be times when she disagrees with the governor and agrees with the mayor. You know, the, the thing that you can't do is make yourself irrelevant, right? You know, you can't... Uh, you can't make sure, right, the old adage that if, like, you're not at the table, you're on the plate. Like, you know, you need to make sure that you can go to Albany and have productive conversations with people, right? You know, Melissa and Flanagan agree on nothing, you know, politically, probably. Well, they probably agree on some things, but, like, they probably mostly agree on nothing. But, like, they had a good good relationship. Like, she, she you know, she could go and do meetings with him and explain the city's position on stuff. They sat together, I think, twice at the Al Smith dinner. Um, you know, and, and, and so, you know... You have to, um, in in this business, in government and in politics, you have to make sure that you're there, that you're effective. And so Melissa went to Albany, I think it was in 2016, and she, you know, she did a whole, you know, she did the sort of normal rounds of meetings. I think that was the year that maybe the mayor didn't go or didn't go as much, and someone did a story, I think it was the Post did a story that was like, you know, Melissa's going to lobby on behalf of the city because, like, the mayor can't go or something like that. I mean, to the degree to which that's true or not, I mean, you know, that's up for debate. But, like, you need to make sure that you can, you know, have these relationships with people. And, like, you know, it goes to our our sort of bomb-throwing conversation a little bit. That, like, you know, yes, there's moments when, um, you know, you need to go, you know, full hog. um, But then there's other times when, you know there's other, there's other tactics. There's other, there's other things that you can do. Um, And making sure that, you know, you're in the room, that you're having these conversations and that you can do these meetings with people, I think is, is the most important thing. Because like at the end of the day, and I I believe this about Melissa, and I believe this about a lot of people, at least in the council, is that like, people just want to do good work and like do good stuff and like go home, right? Like, you know, there, there's a, there's always going to be a segment of the political landscape that really wants to be on the front page, that needs to be in the press every day, that needs to be doing, you know, that needs to be in the front of people's eyes. And then there's other folks, and I think this is the majority of folks who just want to do good work and want to like pass stuff. And and at the end of the day, you know, that's sort of who Melissa
0: is. Well, that's a sweet note to to end things on. That's Thank you, Eric Cook, for for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Thanks and, you for having uh, me. We'll talk more soon.